you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and I have a really interesting local to me um, guest today, and her name is Dr. Chris. I'm going to say that I'm probably going to mangle this. Azola? That's perfect. Okay. Usually I ask before we get started and I forgot. Um, <laughs> and Chris is a licensed naturopathic doctor. And she is a descendant from a long line of physicians who believed in balancing conventional medicine with natural healing techniques, which I think we all agree with. From early childhood, she was inspired by her family's dedication to helping others and became curious about the natural remedies her family used to stay healthy, always wondering, quote, how grandma's stuff worked, unquote. <laughs> so maybe, maybe later on she'll tell us if she figured out how grandma's stuff worked. Because <laughs> I have no doubt we would all love to know that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it would be a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. I am, I am glad that we met and, and um, that you were interested in coming on the show. So I appreciate that as well. So tell me a little bit more about, about your background and how you, or maybe I should say why you ended up going the naturopathic route instead of the MD mm. physician, that more ma mainstream doctor path. Sure. So one of the, uh, I should say that my, uh, my grandparents were Romanian uh, and I'm Romanian. I grew up, uh, my young life was in Romania and okay. in practicing in, in Romanian culture, we do have a lot of everyday practices and cultural, cultural approaches to health that integrate natural remedies. So every day, you know, we might, we might have certain foods or certain herbs part of our routine and so that was I, I was very inspired in watching my grandparents actually uh, my grandmother was a pediatrician and my oh. grandfather was a uh, reconstructive surgeon and seeing them kind of uh, recommend these uh, not only to you know to patients but like basically teaching me about them and so when I decided you know I had a previous career before this I worked in a, in a different field and as every young person does, they kind of discount the types of things that they grew up with, but it's, I've always been around it and using it. And it wasn't until I started to experience kind of the stress overwork and burnout as a young professional and started to gain weight and have become you know, pre-diabetic, things like that were starting to come on the horizon that I started to uh, think, huh, what were those therapies again? Uh, what were those rituals that I've given up especially as a young person, uh, you, you think you're invincible and so you don't need those things anymore. So I, having exposure to both 
the conventional side and the natural side, what was really drew me to more of the, the naturopathic field is that it, it does have a really deep underlying foundation that nature heals and, and to study these remedies and these therapies from an evidence-based perspective and the thousands of years of history that they have behind them. And that, that kind of matched really well with my cultural understanding and also my curiosity. So um, I will basically, I love anything medicine on either side, but I, I wanted to follow this passion and curiosity for a deep foundational understanding of how the body heals from a natural perspective and the natural therapies that support that. That, that makes so much sense to me um, because they have been around for thousands of years and, and not just in, in the culture that you come from, but from all over mm -hmm. the world where, mm -hmm. where cultures um, found the medicinal plants and, and other things that were in their area, right? Geographic, mm -hmm. Geographically, which is always interesting as well um, yes. to, to compare. But it just makes sense that all of those things were working for all that time there's no reason not, there's no reason to throw it, as I always say, the, throw the baby out with the bathwater yes. kind of thing. <laughs> it, it worked, you know, putting it all together would seem, which I think is what, what you, the worldview that you came up with mm -hmm. would seem to be the, the best use of all of that information on both sides of the. Yes. Making use of all the resources and all the tools we have available to us um, is, you know, having a, the perspective of a surgeon. I mean, obviously there are lots of things that can support surgical recovery and preparation and things of that nature. But at the end, you still need that, uh, that surgical approach mm -hmm. for certain things. So I really, um, where I studied at Bastyr University, it's truly an integrative school where you learn the conventional diagnosis, treatment, mm. pharmaceuticals that treat certain conditions, but then at the same time, integrate that and how, what can we do for prevention and holistic treatment and where do they play really well together and, and when can you avoid it and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so I, I enjoy that integrative approach. No, that makes a lot and of I, sense. And of course, in my practice, it works very well. I've, I've witnessed, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, um, I'm interested. What kind of um, people do you typically see or deal with? Or, or is there are there certain types of, I don't want to say diseases, but of issues that people come to you with? And as an adjunct to that, um, do you treat all ages? Or do you treat more people that are certain ages, simply because of the issues that they have, you know, or are you just a ah, generalist, <laughs> as I kill myself with the, with the, uh, the hearing thing here. <laughs> Over to um, you. Hi, <laughs> uh, yeah, technical, the technical gremlins, hopefully we'll stay out go. today. Yes. <laughs> So I, my practice is I treat a very broad a range of conditions and ages as well. I've had pediatric patients and then um, into, yeah, all the way through the 80s um, and hopefully one day beyond. <laughs> and so um, 
one of the things that I work with, because the type of work I do is very supportive to the bodies and its natural processes that basically lends itself to many conditions, but I've worked with neural, neurological conditions, a lot of hormonal imbalances, a lot of thyroid cases, which uh, the thyroid has issues. People can have issues with the thyroid in multiple ages, and that spans, you know, premenopause, postmenopause. Um, I've worked with individuals who need much more um, to want to increase their vitality, in, support their balance as they age, increase muscle mass, things like that. One of the core uh, concepts I, I would say that the naturopathic medicine is based on is that the, the gut is the center of health. And in that digestion is definitely something that is impacted and changes over time and as we age. So in doing a lot of digestive work at all ages, it really does lend itself well to treating lots of conditions. When you treat the gut, you treat uh, inflammations, arthritis, autoimmune disease. There are many things that are related to, to that. So I would say uh, really neurological, hormonal, those are the things that I've worked a lot with. And I really enjoy taking burned and stressed out uh, patients. Uh, Adaptogens, this particular herbal therapies that help people adapt to stress are really something I enjoy doing. However, most of us when we're burned out and stressed out don't think that we are. Uh, So I definitely would love to attract more and more of those people into my practice. And I try to get the message out. But of course, in COVID time, this is going to be an issue, but um, hard to admit to ourselves and seek treatment. So I'm just well, uh, that's yeah. And, and that's an interesting point, because with all of the discussion that's been going on out, you know, out, out in, in the culture, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that everybody has been talking about, and that, that you would think it would be more acceptable is the added stress that everyone mm-hmm. has. And it's, I, you can tell that they're trying to make it more normal and acceptable. And, you know, you don't have to be so strong that you keel over, um, mm-hmm. you know, from, from medical issues. Um, and so it, you would think that it would be easier to have people admit that, hey, I really need some help with this. And mm-hmm. do, do you think part of part of that is just getting the message out necessarily about about what you're doing or what some other people are doing um, in order to get people the help? You know, maybe they don't they don't know where to look. I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to think um, how that that could be easier. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges with stress and burnout or when we're approaching burnout, because stress can just build up over a long time until we finally crash, is that as uh, cortisol is one of the stress hormones, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, in the short term, as we're pumping it out and on the go and and trying to make it through and powering through our work, it makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel alert. It makes you feel like you're you're really getting stuff done. And and as you're becoming ineffective in that moment, you feel very effective. So the challenge is to prevent it uh, 
-hmm. And this, this is one thing I, I'm working on to put together a package or, um, excuse me, a presentation to help people uh -huh. develop habits together as a team or even as a family mm -hmm. to prevent the stress building mm -hmm. up. Because while we're going through it, until you crash and then lots of physical manifestations start to happen, it's really hard for someone to, to recognize it in themselves and to say, hey, I'm really, this has gone on too long for me because we do feel that agency in, instead mm. of the tiredness. Right, right. I wonder if that's the kind of thing that, that trying to get people to accept that maybe their family members might be having a lot of stress and going at it from mm -hmm. that from that yeah. point of view mm -hmm. um, and saying, well, what about this? And what about that? And then maybe at the end of that list, they would say, gee, maybe I'm stressed too. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then the, some of the manifestations too are, are not necessarily physical. Um, mm. And I'm sure there are many of uh, people who work more in the, uh, in the mental sphere of written articles about the lack of empathy we become, you know, more easily frustrated, short-tempered. So these are not necessarily uh, physical symptoms yet, but they are like post signs that we are getting there. So, okay. Um, okay. But we do have a lot of great supportive therapies to, uh, to help deal with that or prevent that. So mm -hmm. that is, uh, you know, there's a lot that can be done there. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sure. I'm sure. So what are some of the things that you have found in, in your practice and, and um, in your life um, as well, that you see the problems and issues that people are start to, if I could talk, start to deal with or should be looking out for maybe as, they, as they're getting older, as they're hitting 50. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for women in particular, obviously, there's the whole hormonal thing that can start in your 40s or your 50s, mm -hmm. um, take you through into into your 60s, depending on when you start and when you end. And um, so what what sorts of things do you look out for? Or do you see a lot um, in your practice? So going back to the digestion piece, mm. I definitely see that digestion, the qual the the way it functions, digestive function changes over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'll focus on, you know, the the mechanics, the quality and the quantity of, of what we're eating. And so to start with uh, the quantity, as we age and our digestive power decreases, we make fewer enzymes and our our absorption decreases, the amount of nutrients you need in your diet really has to be bumped up so mm. that more of it is absorbed. You need a higher um, nutrient diet basically to make up for that decreased absorption. Um, our motility can change as well. It's not basically that that processing fire starts to decrease over time. And so more supportive therapies and uh, supportive habits can help counter that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then also the, the quality of the foods that we eat is very important and has been written at, <laughs> at, you know, at length. Yeah. But our vitamin absorption, again, being decreased means that you know many of our diets that may have helped us before, we might have 
decreased calcium absorption, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, copper, they're, you know, chromium, selenium, lots of different nutrients. So we need to bump those up and make sure that we're eating high quality foods. Often organic foods are uh, grown in soil that is more nutrient dense. And so having access to that as much as possible. Again, I should I have premised all of this by saying, you know, these are not, these are just kind of general educational points, but each person um, and, and each person has their own individual health status and should talk to their doctor or consider their situation before making any changes. But these are just general points that a mm -hmm. high nutrient diet will help us um, and a high fiber diet as well. That's something that Americans continue to have a difficult time with and in and many countries really, but the, our past fiber consumption decades ago and our current fiber consumption is very different. Um, so making sure that, you know, I can probably talk at, for three hours about the benefits of fiber, but um, <laughs> not only does it help support some of that motility, but it helps mm -hmm. us excrete, excrete uh, the, mm -hmm. the toxins we make in our own body or, you know, byproducts that we no longer need. It helps balance hormones. And, um, but it also then has to be customized to you to make sure you're eating, you're drinking the appropriate amount of water for your health so that that fiber mm -hmm. can move out. Um, yeah. because sometimes people bump up the fiber and then we have a bunch of clay kind of sitting in our stomachs and then that becomes uh, detrimental to our health. So um, yeah. as talking about that too is just talking about the hydration status is mm -hmm. also important uh, part of nutrients and maintain, making sure that our tissues stay well hydrated and everything stays moving as part of that mechanics that yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, that that's always I know I always I don't know why, but my whole life I don't I think I've never really drunk enough water. Mm. I try real hard now to drink it, but it's like I'll get involved in something and next thing I know an hour or two hours have gone by and I haven't even and I've got a my water glass here, but I haven't even touched it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I'm trying. I'm trying because I'm figuring that even for my brain, if I don't get enough water, it's not not good for my brain along with the right. rest of my body as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's one of those things. So does, I've read various things. Does coffee and tea count as part of your you liquids? Know, because I see, I see it both, not, both ways. Yeah. Right? It's a controversial topic, even in the naturopathic yeah. sphere, we're still debating this. Um, I would say this is where also working with someone is can really be helpful mm -hmm. to customize it to you, to your mm -hmm. particular situation. Sometimes people really have success eating their liquid. And actually in, in Romanian culture, we eat a lot of soups and oh. that's primarily how we take yeah. in the liquid. But then you would have to see, is it effective for that person? Mm -hmm. Does it work for you? Uh, some people do have success just counting, you know, the lower caffeinated beverages will definitely add more than take away. If you drink a very strong coffee by, if you balance it out, that will be much more dehydrating than having, let's say like a green tea with a little bit of caffeine in it that mm -hmm. acts like a diuretic. So, uh -huh. um, but for the most part, I would say herbal teas and, and water mm -hmm. definitely more additive than the caffeinated beverages. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but so I have here's my, the thing. Have my, my second cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's one of the things I love about the, the medicine is that it's really, it's about also finding the joy and the fun and, and tailoring yeah. it so that it's doable. So I also don't love, absolutely love drinking water. And so I found little tricks like putting fruit, you know, in the water. So then it seems more like if it's full of strawberries, I'll want to drink it or you sometimes I'll drink a favorite herbal tea. So it really is about finding something that you can be excited about so that you want to do it. Yeah. Um, And and it's funny. It's not that I don't like water. I just literally mm -hmm. forget about it. Ah, yeah. That that's my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, yeah. I mean, I just literally forget. I forget mm-hmm. to drink, you know. So I, I decided maybe I'll set up a timer or something on my computer, my laptop to remind me or my phone, <laughs> there you go. right? To go there off at go. least once an hour, <laughs> go drink a glass of water. <laughs> we'll see if it works. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, and I know um, just myself that um going back to to our our digestive system that i had a number of years ago quite a few years ago i had um um, indigestion as they call it Mm -hmm. right where my stomach would would really um and just kind of get backed up in a way like Mm -hmm. you're saying and i did my own little research which I have a tendency to do. <clears throat> and what I started doing and it, <clears throat> excuse me, and it worked for me. I know it's not appropriate for everybody. I'll start by saying that what had, what worked for me and I still do is to take some um, hydrochloric acid mm-hmm. with my big meals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, it's not a, a lot, but I just take one of the little pills and that's that, that got rid of it. Just like, boom, totally. Um, for me, mm-hmm. I guess I just had gotten to the point as I got older that I was not producing enough acid. Yes. In yeah, my stomach. That's a great point. Yeah. That is another change that happens. We stop mm. producing that, that hydrochloric acid. And there are things that one of the traditional things that we used to have in our diet, or at least that we even have today is that, uh, vinegars and bitter foods promote the release of hydrochloric acid in your stomach and the enzymes. Yeah. That preparation for the meal uh, definitely is something that we could utilize, but it's definitely, it's one of those things that does change and it might need herbal support or some Mm. other intervention to keep it high so that you can process the, the food adequately. Yeah, that, that was how I, how I tried it first was to mm-hmm. take a little um, apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. with my meal and to see if that helped. Mm-hmm. And it sure enough, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went searching for the pills because I couldn't carry around hydrochloric acid. I mean, I couldn't yeah. carry around <laughs> apple cider vinegar with me wherever <laughs> I went. <laughs> Although most restaurants can bring you some. <laughs> exactly. Nowadays, you can... Yeah. <laughs> but it's not quite as easy as a pill. No, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think um, the whole idea of, of our digestive system has really started and the value of it, I guess I should say, has Mm -hmm. really kind of taken over 
all of the health discussions or a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it as our second brain and the yes. microbiome. And yes. in a lot of ways, it, it actually being the first brain seems mm-hmm. to be what the, 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 um, the literature is, is talking about. It's that there's more, more messages going up than there are coming down. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is, is it's, it's so interesting because it is so opposite to what our whole species, I guess, if you want to call it that, has always thought that the brain runs everything. And yeah. it's so interesting <laughs> to find out that not exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's, that is the other uh, very critical part of the digestion is our flora changes mm-hmm. and it definitely needs support. And so our microbiome it's been wonderful to see how much research has come out. And basically, you know, uh, naturopathic doctors have been talking about this for a very long time, but now we finally can show some of the studies and showing we're getting really good at showing the, uh, the changes over time, really identifying those specific what's in there, you know, being able to tell. And so that I've definitely seen change in with hormonal health, it can throw off that flora and I've definitely tested people for it. And you can, you can see what's missing or what's overgrown and kind of try to rebalance that out. And, and basically the microbiome not only impacts the way we process hormones, but then our hormonal status can impact our microbiome. So it's definitely kind of a dance back and forth and making sure that you have a very healthy microbiome mm-hmm. will help you with those neurotransmitters as you age. And then also, of course, with that, uh, they do a significant amount of heavy lifting when it comes to absorbing nutrients from our food mm-hmm. and vitamins and, and B12. So having that imbalance is, I would say, definitely a critical piece of aging well and aging healthfully. Okay. And so is that is that along with all of these advertisements and stories and all this other stuff where they're always pushing all the probiotics Mm -hmm. for people. Um, Like it's this monolithic one thing that's going to fix your whole microbiome. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, what's um, I would say that because when we talk about customizing treatments Mm -hmm. to each person, now we're finding that the microbiome composition really ma- really changes even between ethnic groups or local groups. Oh, okay. It turns out that uh, there are communities in Japan that have a particular microbe that processes green tea differently than um, people living in Europe or the United States. So it is about finding out on an individual basis where you're at what's appropriate for you or your community and then making sure that's in balance because yeah, as we all love simple solutions, you know, lactobacillus for everyone, or, you know, there are definitely things that we've had that are working for many people, but again, it may not work for everyone. So Mm -hmm. I think it's not a one size fits all solution. Well, and it's not, it's not only, I mean, just to kind of finish your sentence a little bit is it may work for most people, but it may be doing different things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part that, that, that gets lost in the discussion, especially in the literature and all these kinds of things, 
because, you know, yeah, green tea may be really, really good for you. But as you're saying, okay, well, the, in this Japanese community, they metabolize it much differently than I would do here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't get down to that level. They just make this blanket statement right. that, yeah, green tea is, is great for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> great for what? <laughs> Specifically <Right>. for me. <laughs> right. What's exactly. it going to do? Um, and I, I, it is, it is interesting because so for, for some, if I could talk for so many different areas, not just geographic areas, but areas of food and areas of vitamins and all that kind of stuff. It is so specific to our own heredity, to our own life experience, to where we currently live, where we lived before, where, I mean, there's just so many variables that absolutely you can't you can't say oh, oh everyone should be taking you know 400 iu of vitamin d well maybe maybe not right? exactly maybe it's more maybe it's less yeah right and and the other thing is that as people one thing i have seen and it, it practicing in this way really kind of changes a paradigm of what we consider to be a healing journey and as people heal your needs today might be different 3 months from now So it's a constant kind of uh, listening and adjusting. That's what I call it. You know, Mm. what works for you right now, if we're treating a particular condition, if you're, for example, if you're, um, if your thyroid isn't, is really struggling today, we might be doing some treatments for several months, but then if, as it comes back into balance, you may not need some of those things anymore. So you adjust. So part of the paradigm shift is, for this condition, you take this particular pill, whether it's a supplement or a drug, and then that's it for the rest of the time. It really is not how biology works and how the healing process works. So uh, being on a journey and expecting it to adjust and change over time is really the um, what I've seen to be clinically effective and, and necessary. Mm. And, and I think the other, the other part of that too is that we as, as human beings, um, we like to say, oh, well, if that worked for so-and-so, then I'm going to do it too. Right. Right. And they'll find out that, oh, this person was taking this vitamin and that made them feel a hundred percent better. And so then, then I would start taking it, right. Thinking that Mm -hmm. I'm going to have the same kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's doesn't just doesn't work that way. And I no. think that's why so many people screw up their systems without even realizing it. Um, so, cause I know even myself, I mean, I, my husband and I take a, probably a whole lot more vitamins than we probably should, but we don't take them in real large amounts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and none of them are really bizarre off the wall kinds of kinds of things, but we do eat healthfully and we eat organic. Mm-hmm. So we probably don't necessarily need all of the things that we take, but, but we also live in a city and <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. Yeah. And there are still, there are also ways, you know, just to plug the, the patient doctor relationship in the sense that there's still mm-hmm. ways that you can do a physical exam and, mm-hmm. and see, you know, not only right. blood tests, but there are other ways to see if, uh, 
as we're aging, how we're coping yeah. with, with these. And are we getting, you know, are we starting to get too pale? Are we becoming iron deficient or, mm. you know, are, is our balance starting to get off? Maybe there's certain nutrients that are supporting uh, that, that we're mm. missing. So it's definitely taking a look at where your status is to figuring out uh, if you need something or not. And, and a lot also when you're, we work very much with herbal medicine and there are a lot of things to consider that uh, mm -hmm. we receive a lot of training, but when I'm working with someone, are they a dry person? Are they more of an anxious person? Do they have mm -hmm. problems sleeping? There are all of these things that go in to figuring out, is this particular thing going to work for this person um, mm -hmm. that makes it effective or ineffective, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah, but you know, I, I guess maybe part of the scary part of all of this is what big business the health and wellness area has become mm -hmm. um, with all of the magazines, with all of the articles and the ads for all these different um, things that you should take. Or, you know, if, you, if you're having this kind of problem, then take this. Or, you know, I mean, just thinking about it, just even the number of podcasts that are out there, right? <laughs> I mean, it just... It, it's, it's this humongous multi-billion dollar industry now. Mm -hmm. And, and I truly <laughs> probably shouldn't say this, but I truly don't think that it's everybody's primary goal to help people. I mean, I would like, I would like to hope that at least at some level they have that in their brain along with making money. But, um, but I'm a cynic. So <laughs> well, I think you, to add to that point, I think one of the things that's lost and what the reason I keep going back to a kind of a cultural mm. habitual approach to uh, health is because really the simple things that we practice every day truly impact your health over the long term much more than a short-term solution or an expensive solution oftentimes. Not to say that there aren't certain things that are really worth spending money on for a specific mm -hmm. condition or for a period of time, short Absolutely. period of time. But for the most part, um, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about was inflammation mm -hmm. and how that impacts us as we age definitely the more of it that we have, it's, it's good in the short term, but it can really uh, advance that aging process if it's mm. over, uh, if we overly inflamed as we age. But simple things like our diet can be, you know, we can eat a, include anti-inflammatory foods mm. or, you know, herbs into our diet that are just small things we do all the time that our body absorbs at a level that we're used to absorbing. Um, I think I, I've heard people, turmeric is a great example of, you know, obviously millions and billions of people every day eat a little bit of turmeric and it's definitely been sold in large quantities in capsules and things like that. But mm -hmm. in fact, if it's, if it's something that suits you, you eat a little bit of every day is so much more absorbable and, and useful to you than if you you know, have a huge bottle of it and, mm -hmm. and take it. So uh, I and, think and I would how, like to, I was just going to say, and, and how would someone do that? I mean, is there a particular vegetable or something that you get that you can 
It's the yellow spice in Indian food. Yeah. Okay. So I think just if you like Indian food. Just the spice you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, so that's what I'd like. I try to bring back into my practice is uh-huh. to get people excited about incorporating these things that they can practice on a continual basis that really support good mm. health long-term. Yeah. And, and that's, that's actually easier to get into your system is if you eat it through food mm-hmm. as well, isn't it? Then, then taking, taking the pills and the capsules. Yeah. And- it can be hard to absorb and, and, pills and capsules and things like that and actually you can drink it as a tea some people really Ah. now there's turmeric lattes and can make teas uh, from it too and some people really enjoy that flavor interesting i have to try try that not not by a lot to start with but (laughs) a little bit (laughs) to try it um because things well everybody everyone's taste buds are a little different so exactly I've bought, exactly. I've bought a lot of things over the years that ended up in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it when they give samples because ah. I've been amazed at, um, you know, as naturopathic doctors, we do try lots of stuff and, uh-huh. and we do try to formulate things that are palatable. Mm. And I've always been amazed by uh, I'll drink something and I'll think this is the most delicious thing I've ever had. And then my colleague thinks it's awful. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, you can't always uh, go by it, but sometimes that can be an indicator that it's something that your body will really enjoy you uh, making use of. But that that's a little bit more. That is definitely not a scientific study by any means, but yeah. you definitely uh, don't want to give something to people. They're going to think every day like, oh my goodness, I have to do this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is, but that, but that does kind of make you think if, if you really do believe that your body is your best way of knowing if something's going to ap- appeal or mm-hmm. work with or for your, your, uh, your health. A lot yes. of times. Um, I mean, I know, I know have a lot of allergies. And so whenever I start try a new vitamin or something, I always have to make sure that I, when I try it, I'm not taking anything else that I have allergy reactions to at the same time. Cause sometimes I cheat. So <laughs> um, because then I can, I have a good, a good barometer of, oh, okay. Yeah. I should be able to, should be able to take that. So um, yes, that's lots of yeah. fun. <clears throat> and that, and brings, that brings up a point that mm. um, one of the things that I really try to help people with is to listen to their bodies mm-hmm. and to really pay attention. And again, Unfortunately, the computers and just kind of living in a virtual world, it's so easy to start ignoring your body or if you become very busy, Um, but even your body does have an enormous amount of intelligence and communication is trying to, uh, things it's trying to communicate. And so the more we listen to it, the more we sit in it, uh, definitely is one of our greatest assets to help us maintain our health long-term. No, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. I would, I would agree, <clears throat> excuse me, as I'm <clears throat> allergy reaction, um, <laughs> ate something I shouldn't have this morning. Anyways, um, so what if we were going to, you know, kind of wrap everything up, we've been on for a while and um, what are, you know, maybe two or three things that you might want to leave people with 
to, to think about as they, as they get older, as they're dealing with COVID and, and all of that stress that we're talking mm -hmm. about. If you have a, a couple of, I probably should have warned you about that beforehand. Um, <laughs> a couple of things that you might say, well, you know, this isn't everything, but you know, here's just a few things to, to yes. think about. Definitely, I, I would definitely say, pay attention to your digestive health, mm. eating those uh, healthy foods that are as pesticide free as possible, a nutrient dense diet, mm. uh, trying to, uh, there's uh, lots of resources out there. One of my favorites is called uh, The World's Healthiest Foods. It's a oh. book and a website and you can look up that I think they have the 100 most dense a listing of the 100 most nutrient dense foods in there, but there are a lot of resources there. So focus on on that density and making sure that you, you have a good uh, microbiome, you know, you chew your food, yeah. ah. so important and make sure your bowel movements are regular. Uh, and then in line with that is, you know, an anti inflammatory kind of a, a diet rich in vegetables, and fruits and fiber is going to be anti-inflammatory. And that is definitely very important, not only in managing blood sugar and helping protect our brains as we age, but also managing that inflammation. So, mm. so I would say the digestive, the di things you can do for your digestion also help kind of control that inflammation as we age. Well, that, that, makes, and, that makes a lot. Yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, you know, also in, in COVID definitely we're starting to see that it is an inflammatory process yes. going on like that. So you don't, you don't want to amp up your inflammation during this time uh, to, to help better prepare uh, for that. Right, right, right. And, and unfortunately COVID doesn't like to stay how it is. It keeps morphing itself. So mm -hmm. that's, um, that's not a good scenario if your mm -hmm. body isn't, isn't in good shape to start with. Although COVID doesn't seem to care from what I keep reading, right. <laughs> unfortunately. It is a, a, a wily foe, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 it really is. It really is. So, well, on that downing note, well, <laughs> um, and Chris, if, there, if someone is interested in getting in touch with you, um, if you want to give me you, you can say it now and then also um, send it to me and I will put it in the show notes as how they can get a hold of you. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. Yeah, my my website is uh, www.drazzola. So uh, drazola.com is my website and uh, they can get my contact info there. Okay, wonderful. So I'll put that in there. And um, when you send that to me, why don't you send me the link for that World Healthiest Foods? Is that what that one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be my pleasure. Yeah, that'd be great because I'll put that in the show notes as well if people are interested in following up on that, which I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, will be um, <laughs> will be interested in, in going there. So that would be great. And I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time to be here with us and, and to give people some extra information um, having to do with the time period now and trying to stay healthy and, and stay healthy as we get older, which is yeah. 
very, very important now as there are more and more of us. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. And um, I guess my last plug about that is just make sure you, if you, if it's possible to have a partner on this journey to staying healthy, you know what, talk to your doctor or, or a professional that you trust to develop a plan so that you're prepared as, as the um, time goes on, you feel fully prepared and you have a plan. So um, I hope that something that I've said today was helpful, but I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate having you here as well. So thank you. And I will add on that um, actually neither, well, I was gonna say I'm not a doctor and this isn't medical advice, but Chris is a doctor, but this is still not medical advice. Yeah. <laughs> if you have right. any issues, as she just said, work with your own doctor and, and find out what's going on. And if you are having some kind of an emergency, please go to the emergency room and or call your own doctor. Um, and otherwise, I will look forward to talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.